Great customer experience rules the world of business in our digital age. Expectations are higher than ever. And the companies that deliver? They're on top because they know how to harness the power of artificial intelligence and automation. Want to sharpen your acumen? Then tune in to the CX Experience. Each episode, host Eric Cavanaugh interviews the brightest minds in digital. From AI and machine learning to analytics and automation, you'll learn it all. And now, here's your host, Eric Cavanaugh. My wife said something prophetic a few years ago that is uh, it's appropriate in this context. She one time said, because she studied yoga and actually taught yoga and meditation and so forth. And she said, it takes an hour to do an hour of meditation. And the reason I say that is because as busy professionals, we often forget how much time little things take, sending an email, making a phone call, reading an article, just finding the next flight. All of these tasks take real time to accomplish. And you often don't notice what you spend your time on until you look back and start examining it. And that's something that these machines can do for us to understand. Hmm, It takes this amount of time to have a call center person resolve an issue. It takes that amount of time for this system to resolve that issue. So in all cases, you want to automate as much as possible. And like Ito said, you must be connected to the systems themselves. You cannot have these chatbots living in isolation or in some abstract world that is not connected to your reality. Otherwise, you're wasting time and you're really making a bad experience even worse. Right, Evan? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look at look at best practices in the industry Two of my favorite companies as a consumer are Amazon and Apple. You know, if I were to break my phone right now, Apple would have a new phone at my doorstep in two hours, hand wow. delivered from the closest Apple store. <laughs> if if I got a, I actually got a package that I wanted to return to Amazon last week, they said, you know what, you're a good customer. It's more expensive to take it back. Just keep it, uh, and we'll refund your charge. And that's based on knowing the customer, knowing my identity, and just having all this data at my fingertips. And the airlines have to try to emulate these kind of best practices. It won't be easy. They have a lot of legacy, a lot of baggage, no pun intended. But uh, it can be done by through best practices, working with you know expert vendors like Verant and many others, and having the right leadership to drive change and adoption and transformation. So there's nothing stopping airlines from having a, an Apple or an Amazon experience. And I will say, you know, one of my favorites is JetBlue here, here in Boston, and they're, they're getting pretty close. So it can be done. Consumers now understand things like QR codes, for example. We understand barcodes. We've had barcodes for decades now, and there are still barcodes on just about every product that you buy in the store. And consumers are starting to better understand things like RFID, There's some good commercials uh, I've seen on TV that kind of explain why RFID matters. But you had mentioned before the call, baggage. Well, there's a tag on your bag. They scan the tag when they grab it. They scan the tag when they put it on the plane. They scan the tag when they drop it off. So you know that your stuff has been scanned and you know where it is. This gets back to knowing versus not knowing. And anyone's ever lost a bag knows that is not a pleasant experience to lose the bag. And before the airlines had nailed down what is a fairly simple process of putting tags on the bags. You get the machines, you can sync it up with your your point of sale solutions and so on and so forth. Then you know where those bags are and you feel better. Even if someone tells you, okay, yes, your bag is actually in Houston. At least they know it's there. I put an air tag. (laughs) I put an air tag in my bag, the Apple tracking device, and I actually can confirm 
no. with a certainty within a few feet where my <laughs> bag not. is. So, you know, airlines could adopt things like air tags and, as you said, RFID and, and other advanced IoT technologies. It's not just customer experience. It's about, you know, everything from 5G to IoT to uh, uh, machine vision and, and tracking and uh, natural language processing so that these voice systems are mimic human behavior human voice and under natural language understanding so lots of opportunities for tech yeah and i'll throw that one over to ito nlp as it's called natural language processing has made tremendous advances and that's thanks to very large companies like google getting involved of course it's uh, thankful thanks to lots of small companies doing innovative stuff but the point is nlp is a lot further along than it was even five years ago. And so to leverage that capability, again, gets us every inch closer to the seamless experience, right? I think that's one fun way to look at it is you may never get completely seamless, but it's like if you're getting closer and closer, at least the experience is getting better and you're having to waste less time and be less frustrated. So the NLP advances, I think, have really helped in the chatbot space. What do you, what do you see, Ido? Yeah, definitely. I mean, one of the things that we're seeing from a natural natural language processing and a natural language understanding standpoint is that you can actually understand the intent. You can understand what people are actually talking about. Take airlines as an example. You know, if we look at um, the uh, kind of the time graph from the beginning of the pandemic until today, and we look at and we analyze it using NLP and using, you know, the the intent based, um, what people are actually talking about it became very clear to see that in March 2020, most people were talking about, you know, cancellations. We need to cancel our flight. We can't fly. What do we do with it? And then it started changing, right? In May, people were asking about, okay, I know that I can't fly, right? But now uh, help me understand when am I going to get my refund? Can I get my money back? You know, how is that going to happen? And then, you know, move all the way to March 2021, this is when people started saying, okay, so I've got a voucher, right? Uh, Or I've got a coupon. How do I use that coupon? And the more we can leverage the data, the natural natural language understanding to actually, you know, guide us towards the future, the better place we'll be. Think of it as just the conversation even that we're having right now. Right. Okay. It's, you know, the more conversations like that we're going to have, the more we'll be able to anticipate, kind of we'll know one another better and we'll be able to anticipate what, you know, each one of us is going to say. And that's exactly what's happening with, with the NLP and, you know, what's happening with, the, uh, with that type of technology. Yeah, you make such a really, really good point there, um, Ido. And I'll bring in Evan to, to kind of comment on this because in conversation, the beautiful thing about a live conversation as opposed, for example, to asynchronous communication on email is that you can course correct immediately. I can be talking to Evan and I can see that I can just sense that he's gotten off track or, or he, he misinterpreted what I said. And I can jump back in and say, no, 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 I want to make sure I'm in LA as in Louisiana, not LA as in Los Angeles or something. So it's in that conversation, you can have immediate impact on making sure that the person on the other end of that phone line is understanding what you're saying. And I think NLP really in, in conjunction with workflow and syntax capabilities technologically is getting closer. And then you can just look at even simple things like tone of voice, 
right? There are uh, lots of companies. I think uh, Varent probably has something to say about this as well. Tone of voice can be ascertained. It's not too difficult to figure out when someone is PO'd on the phone. And so that should send a red flag like ding, ding, ding. Okay, this customer is unhappy. What can we do to make them happy? Give them a free drink, give them a free trip, give them something to sort of assuage those concerns. So just two comments real quick, Evan, the advancement of NLP being able to mimic real conversation, but also, uh, you know, this ability to kind of understand that something needs to change and to send in that offer. What do you think about all that, Evan? Oh, it's it's really amazing. And if anyone has tried or experienced some of the latest tech, it is nothing like the bad IVRs that we see out there, you know, press one for English, press two to speak uh, with sales, press 18, and you're just trapped in these systems, which have been designed 10 really 10 years ago, which are still deployed in the field. And, wow. you know, talk about language. You have multiple languages support. You know, it can understand Spanish and English and German and French, and it can have a reasonable conversation up to a point that might solve 90% of items without having to wait to on hold for an operator or an agent. So, you know, the key is just let's get this technology out there. Let's get adoption going. Let's begin to delight consumers and not sort of hide from them behind these terrible legacy systems that are we run into too often because they're just so off-putting. There's a whole industry built around how to reach an operator, how to reach press zero in these different IVR trees. Uh, and, and people are, are kind of fed up with that. They want to be delighted <laughs> and freed from these, these, these prisms of uh, music on hold and, uh, IVRs. That's my rant. I'm finished. Sorry about that. No, no, that was that was actually a good rant. And I love the way you described that. Hide behind. You don't want to if, if your company is still using these outdated technologies and you have the capacity to upgrade, which you should if you have cash flow, thanks to the cloud, thanks to the ubiquity of devices like smartphones. And uh, the ubiquity of services like Amazon and Uber, what happens is someone innovates like Uber and everyone can see that innovation. And so now we know what's possible. So we're like, oh, well, why aren't you doing this? Why aren't you doing this? We see this even internally at companies when they're trying to use their legacy systems for analytics, for example, or data science, whatever the case may be. And they see how easily some of these big companies do that stuff. That changes expectations, and expectations drive change, right, Evan? Yes, indeed, and change is the one imperative. And unfortunately, it's not that easy. <laughs> if yeah. it were easy, everyone would be doing what <laughs> Apple and Uber and Amazon do. It takes, you know, it's kind of rocket science what Verant does. It's kind of, you know, building magical experiences with the latest machine learning and advanced uh, technologies. And you, you kind of have to think differently and experiment. And uh, it takes a whole new approach to deployment and design and user experience. So you kind of have to find partners or hire the right IT folks to implement these kind of solutions. And it's not just for service. I mean, these solutions can be transformational. You know, Uber didn't just dis disrupt the taxi industry. I mean, they changed the entire automotive business in, in, in many different ways and will continue to. And, um, you, you know, these technologies in airline can be about service, can be about sales, can be about marketing and all other kinds of customer and consumer engagement. So they do have the power 
to be quite transformational just beyond just replacing the back-end legacy system. Yeah, that, that's also a really good point. And uh, for companies that have lots of what they call legacy software or technical debt, as it's sometimes referred to, uh, that can be a bit of a, of a challenge. But I guess, Ido, I'll throw this one over to you. You talked about the importance of being proactive. I think every every business person today knows that cloud is a, if not the new center of gravity. I think that on-prem data centers are going to have a very long life. They're not going away anytime soon, but what you do in your data center will be different in five years than what you did five years ago, for sure. There still will be use cases for that. But the bottom line is you must embrace what's coming down the pike. If you don't, you know, you're going to get overrun by it, basically. And uh, it, it really pays to know what you have. And you, you need to have people on your team who are researching what is available today. What services does Amazon provide? What services does Azure provide? What services do best of breed companies like Verant provide? It's really imperative to know that and be able to kind of map that across your systems to, to figure out what it's going to take to integrate these things. What is it going to take to connect live to these systems, a lot of that boils down to APIs and, and some of these new ways of just integrating systems, right? We used to do it in a much more manual and brittle way, and now it's RESTful APIs, which which will handle whatever request comes their way, right? So you really have to embrace the integration technologies and know what's out there, and that's changing by the day, right, Ido? Absolutely. So it's all about integration technologies, cloud technologies. It's all about making sure that you're building an open platform, making sure that your, you know, even the legacy systems that you have within your organization are able to talk through APIs with, you know, cloud-based systems. And this is, you know, this is kind of the, um, the basis of the magic that brings it all together. It's not about doing everything. It's about getting all of the data that is needed to, you know, to make customer engagement magic. Yeah. And, and it can be any number of things, but uh, you do have to start somewhere. Maybe, Evan, I'll throw this over to you for, let's say there's uh, an airline executive listening to this and they're not really uh, doing what JetBlue is doing, for example. What's some advice you can give for where to start? Is it you know maybe a customer service application? Do you start with a particular app or do you start by mapping out what you have available? What are your thoughts on how to get the ball rolling? Yeah, it's all about building a learning organization and creating proof of concepts and building kind of innovation from the ground up. Look for opportunities to introduce new features and services incrementally and then gradually create kind of a virtuous circle of new opportunities and development. Too often executives are, even even CIOs, they're, they're afraid of breaking their, this infrastructure they patched together over a decade. And uh, I think, you know, you got to be more bold in, in their thinking in terms of adoption of this, this new technology, not yeah. just worrying about uh, the phones being down. You know, too many people right. are just trying to keep the lights on and yeah. be staying out of the news. And uh, that's, that's not going to get you to the next level. If, if you want to see a good example of a company like that, Volaris is one of the airlines that has been really phenomenal in adopting and changing, you know, digital transformation, right? So, and if you think, and if you look at the impact that this has made on them as a company, they're now, you know, in Mexico, they're a local, um, you know, airline out of Mexico, and they're the biggest airline in Mexico right now. Wow. Wow. Yeah, Another example excellent. is uh, is Emirates in uh 
out of Dubai, where I've, you know, last flown there, the entire check-in process was based on facial recognition from the desk to the lounge to the airplane. Never once did I have to get my ticket out or my boarding pass or talk to a person. It was seamless through, you know, several, several cameras that you went through, which had my passport on file. So, you know, internationally, that's a requirement anyway. So, yeah, what a just amazing experience and took so much time out of uh, the boarding process. In the show, we touched on something, but didn't, didn't really dive into it. And it's a really big, big development, folks. It's, it's really what we've wanted all along. And it's, it's, it deals with the sort of breaking down of silos. So a silo refers to a single location. Your marketing department can be a silo. Your sales department is a silo. The admin, the accounting people. These are groups of people who tend to sort of, uh, to, to focus on their tasks, on their projects, on their people. And what you really want is everyone working together on all these different subjects. And what we're seeing now, it's interesting over the years, we had to sort of bifurcate things just to be able to manage them and to use different technologies, for example. But the the future is in much more of a uh, coalescing stage, I think, where you're bringing these things together because marketing affects sales, sales affects the bottom line, management affects everything. All of these different component parts affect each other. And so the more strategic and holistic you can be in your approach to running your business, I think the better off you're going to be. But Edu, I'll bring you in to, to kind of comment on that. I think it's very interesting that we are finally seeing this, this sort of coming together again of different disciplines and different tasks, uh, which I think is reflective of technology. It's also reflective of just business needs today. But what do you think about all that? First of all, I think that's the, uh, the way of the future. You know, when we, uh, when we engage with, uh, with a company, when we want to, you know, get customer service or buy something new, um, you know, we, we think about it as a, um, as an organization that knows us almost to some extent. And we want to be able to switch between one topic to the other. We want, we don't want to have to call back. We don't want to, you know, try to use another channel to actually get the information that we, uh, that we need. And most of the brands do not enable that today. Right. It's like uh, you only can call for a certain reason. So, you know, you're calling to get customer service. You'll be routed to the, you know, customer service representative. And, you know, if you now want to buy something, then you got to start it all from scratch. Right. Right. And but the future is not going to be like that. You know, with data, what we're seeing is the convergence of all of those channels. Like we've had situations where, you know, a customer service representative is helping somebody and, you know, in fixing a problem that they had. And they did such a great job that at the end of the conversation, the customer actually wants to buy something. (laughs) Now what? How do you do that? Right? Right. I mean, we all know that if you now try to shift them over to somebody else, whether it be, you know, through digital, you know, means or uh, even worse, if they're over the phone, right? Uh, You're going to lose them. So it's all a question of how do you continue that conversation? And a lot of it is based on the data, the data that we have, you know, the engagement data, the conversation data. It's almost like think about it like a living organism, right, that that actually, you know, can improve the more almost the more it knows. Right. Right. So that's such an excellent point. And you're reminding me of something we talked about earlier, where in conversation, you can very quickly course correct. You can figure out. Oh, no, no, no. He misunderstood this. And I want to correct that course. 
Well, that's what you're enabling if you have this more holistic view. And I think you're exactly right. If if I want, okay, now I want to buy something. Oh, that's a separate department. Hold on, I'll patch you through. How many people just hang up the phone? I'll bet you it's exactly. a pretty significant percentage or even worse, uh, here you have to call this number. Like, okay, guess what? I'm not going to call that number. You know, I know just from my days in marketing, from tracking behavior campaigns and so forth, I, I measured it at about 50% drop off per click. Meaning if I send you an email and you click on that link, you come to my page. If I want you to click something again, best case scenario, half the people are going to do that. If I want another click after that page, you're down to 50% of 50% of 50%, which is 12.5% if I, if my, if my memory serves me correctly. So you're just, you're just shedding customers. You're shedding sales. You're shedding customer experience. All that's going out the window when you stick to these silos. The intent data is the most important exactly. data, right? Exactly. You want to talk about You've that? Got it. Yeah, definitely. So we kind of chatted a bit about NLP, NLU and how we, you know, construct conversations based on you know intents and based on the um, you know the the the, the conversational data that, that is available you know as time goes by as as you have more you know conversational data based on the conversation between the consumer and the brand you could do a much better job in actually finding the right intents and and you know using those intents basically leveraging those intents to be more proactive and right. this is how it all kind of comes together so we kind of used a lot of uh, these uh, terms throughout the conversation today right from NLP NLU to the integrations to the you know data driven decision making all the way through being proactive right but when you leverage all of those together this is where you get to the you know you get to the gold yeah, that's beautiful intention. And we're so much better at understanding that. But folks, I promise you, it will always take people. There will always be a need for people to be looking at all this information. Because what you're doing is you're looking at little bits and pieces, little fragments to understand what is the customer journey to going through different systems to understand how are our call centers operating. When you really take that big picture view and you see the whole thing that that becomes as a result of doing a lot of small views and seeing what's here what's there what's over there that's all going to take human beings together with machines so don't worry ai is not going to take jobs away more it's going to augment jobs and help people get things done more efficiently more effectively give us more time back in our day to do what we want to do so that's what we want folks well look these guys up online ito uh, is with a company called Verint. It's V-E-R-I-N-T, or look up Evan Kerstell. He's an analyst. You can find him on Twitter pretty much every hour of every day. And look forward to this report coming out, folks. It's really interesting stuff. And with that, we're going to bid you farewell. You've been listening to Inside Analysis. Thank you for listening to this episode of the CX Experience. We hope you learned a thing or two. And check out Verant.com for case studies, ebooks, and white papers about the ultimate customer experience.